I was walking this past week down the street and there was a little trickle of water coming down the edge of the street, I think because of the rain. And I was also thinking about our gospel passage from the 14th chapter of Matthew this morning. And it made me think back to a time when uh, our sons, Ben and Blaine, and I were walking in the woods and we came to the edge of this little stream. It was barely a trickle. Ben, who was about six at the time, and I took a hop, big step across the stream, and we started walking ahead and realized Blaine wasn't with us. We turned around and there was Blaine uh, standing on the other side of the stream, uh, not quite willing to hop across, worrying that his hops were not as big as our hops, worried about the dangers of slipping and, of course, getting muddy feet, which is mother certainly wouldn't appreciate. Ben and I kept saying, come on, come on, you can do it, Blaine, just hop across. Just take a step. We know you can do it. And he kept saying, Daddy, carry me. Daddy. I said, you can do it, come on. And you could see on his face that desire he had to, to take a step. His little feet were even making that motion like he really wanted to take a step but he just couldn't do it. Haven't you had that feeling? Maybe not on the banks of a muddy stream, but in all sorts of other places in life. You really want to take a step of faith, of hope, of commitment, but fear overwhelms. You want, like Blaine, to somehow to be carried over the challenge, to carry, be carried over that time in your life, to be carried over that decision. So you don't have to deal with it all, like facing a pandemic, wouldn't we like to be carried over till next year? Maybe you think to yourself, it'll just work out itself. Maybe like sometimes we think about racial injustice. But just like Blaine heard his dad saying, come on, take a step. We need to hear our heavenly parent call out to us. Come on, come on, you can do it. Despite how tempting it is not to move or even to just turn away, to think it will take care of itself, we need to take that step. Think about our gospel story. There the disciples are, like we feel at times, feeling very alone, battered, uh, the wind against them, feeling hopeless and at the mercy of events that are out of their control, and they are afraid. Life can be scary sometimes. This is one of the reasons I love C.S. Lewis's Chronicle, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, especially The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a story of difficult times. It begins with evil taking over the world, where there is only winter, where people are turned into stone, where literally it depicts no life at all. Yet in the midst of all of that, there is hope for spring. There are people holding on to that hope. And then Aslan comes. If you don't know who Aslan is, you have to read the book. Uh, Aslan comes, new life, evil defeated. And I love this book for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons I like this book is because it says it's okay to be scared. It's okay to doubt. And yet in the midst of that fear and in the midst of that doubt, it's also okay to 
hold on to hope, to believe that God will take care of you, to believe that God will never forget us, how important it is to look outside of ourselves, to look outside of our present reality, like the disciples finally did when they look beyond themselves, beyond the boat they find themselves in, and see Jesus there. How important it is for us to look outside ourselves to God as the resource for all of our strength, for all that we need. In the midst of hopeless times, to hear Jesus call out to us in the same way he did to his disciples, take heart, do not be afraid. Now the reality is, even after hearing this, Peter could have stayed and waited somewhat sheltered in the safety of that boat, but he didn't. He took a chance and risked taking a hopeful step that really didn't have to be taken, except that Christ said to take it. So there is Peter, and there is Blaine, and there is are all of us at certain times of our life, at the brink of all sorts of things in our lives, and a step is taken. And it feels good. But soon we get that sinking feeling as we notice a strong wind like Peter did or a little mud up our ankles like Blaine or a few more months of pandemic or any distraction that shifts us from our call and we freeze. We begin to look inward and our little faith starts to crumble. But if we're smart, if we know what we're doing, we call out to the one who's called out to us and we trust we will be heard. As Peter began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. We too, in the midst of our challenges, can reach out to the source of all hope and be amazed at what God can do. When Blaine finally took that step of faith, he kind of stopped right in the mud, pretty much in the middle of that little stream and that little trickle. And he said, Dad. And so I reached out not to carry him. I reached out with my hand. And we just stepped through that mud together. The reality is life is filled with a lot less slip-ups when you're holding onto another's hand, especially as Peter found out, and as we can all find out when we hold on to the hand of God reached out to us. But we learn how to do this because of others who have showed us how it works. We learn that we can venture out into the unknown, into onto unknown ground, because we have seen that those with which we share a common purpose and love and hope have showed us how, that there are others, we need to be those others for one another that hold on to each other's hands and step through this muck and mire together, step through this time together. We need to be that for one another in times like we're going through. Jürgen Moltmann, one of the greatest theologians, probably my favorite theologians, uh, wrote a lot about hope. In one of his books called The Source of Life, he wrote these words, Our true hope in life is wakened and sustained and finally fulfilled by the great divine mystery which is above us and in us and round about us, nearer to us 
than we can be to ourselves. It encounters us as the great promise of our life in this world. That great promise, nothing will be in vain. It will succeed. In the end, all will be well. It meets us, too, in this call to life. I live and you shall live also. We're called to this hope, Moltmann writes, and the call often sounds like a command, a command to resist death and the powers of death, and a command to love life and cherish it, every life, the life we share, the whole of life. We need to hear Moltmann's words in times like this. We need to believe in that promise that is almost a command from God, I live and you shall live also. This is the type of living hope that Peter writes to the early Christians about at a very difficult time of great persecution when this small community was struggling to survive in this world. Peter was reminding them and in a way through them reminding us that in life, chaos and crisis and trouble and tragedy will come. But thankfully, we're not on our own. We have a living hope, imperishable undefiled and unfading every day in our life journey we have a choice will we choose fear or will we choose to live in hope our faith does not promise us a perfect life this is why Martin Luther King said we must accept finite disappointment but we must never lose infinite hope hope is the place we go when optimism fails, when people are fearful, when times are hard, when we don't know where we can take that next step for fear of what might happen, when optimism has left and went on vacation, we need to pack hope for the journey. A hope that will lead us to action to work for change. Again, Moltmann writes in another book, Theology of Hope, that is why faith, whenever it develops into hope, causes not rest but unrest, not patience but impatience. It does not calm the unquiet heart, but it, it is itself this unquiet heart in people. Those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world, for the goal of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. The goal of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. Hope empowers us to believe and to strive for what could be, for what should be, to be impatient to let that unquietness in our heart move us forward, independent of achieving the objective of peace or the objective of justice. It is a commitment to a way of life, to a perspective that is in contradiction to fear. It is, resol it is, it is resolving to live hope fully, fully opening ourselves up to that call from God in the midst of the muck and mire of our lives, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the uh, uh, impossibilities, believing that we are reached out to in every moment of every day.
to believe that we are held in every moment of every day, to believe that we are led in every moment of every day, witnessing the future that is always before us. I don't mean just witnessing with our eyes, but witnessing with our lives that future that is always before us, going on to that future. Know that hope lives. Hope lives for your journey and for our journey together. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for keeping us connected, for having that sense of power that lives in us, that lights up our life. To be reminded, not only during children's messages, but also during technological mishaps, that we need to feel a power that lives in us that goes beyond every other power, that keeps us connected to you when we feel disconnected in whatever other way we might feel disconnected. We need that power in you that holds us together. We thank you for that message today, for that reminder today, for the gift of today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now let's sing together on your live stream. At the font, we start our journey. That is our connected to God in our baptism. At our very beginning, we are ready to start our journey. Let us sing together.